0: Welcome to Site 7, the headwaters of the Miller River. As you look out over this site, you can see the silhouette of the sleeping giant.
1: The legend of sleeping giant is an old Native American legend. There were two giant spirits named Hobomak and Kiatan. They were twin spirits who looked after the Quinnipiac. Unfortunately, Hobomak was a jealous spirit. One day, the Quinnipiacs accidentally gave Kiatan more fish in tribute. Hobomock got very angry. He stamped his foot down
0: on the Connecticut River in Middletown. During those days, the Connecticut River ran straight through Connecticut down to New Haven. Hobomock's stamp had changed the path of the river forever. Kitum was
1: so mad at his brother, he put a spell on him to make him eternally sleep. Hobomock fell on his back, and eventually, a great forest grew on top of him
0: forming what we know as Sleeping Giant State Park. With such a rich and interesting history, we wondered how the paths of the Miller River have changed over time. We talked to Bob Griswalk, a local historian.
2: The paths haven't exactly changed, but, but, the the, the size has changed. This is the nine squares. You know the nine squares of New Haven? Do we know that New Haven has a plan that is nine squares centered around the green? Well, this is the original nine squares and there was originally, right parallel to State Street, a little stream that was actually in the, in the 17th and 18th century very useful for bringing supplies right up to all the stores and shops that were on State Street. That's now gone. That stream, became the Farmington Canal that I talked about, and then the Farmington Canal became the railroad line, which is there now. So that body of water isn't there at all. There was another stream that went up parallel to George Street, and that was where tanneries and things were. So again, how did you use the water? Well, you need water for making um, cow and horse hides into leather, and you need the water to make them, and you need the water to dump the the waste material and it's not very nice stuff. Um, That's gone too. This is where the Oak Street connector is, where Route 34 is. So those are completely gone. Here, let's see, your school is right here. Here is Crisculo Park. We talked about that. I don't know if you can see this. Crisculo Park. This is in, let's see, 18 this is an 1870s map and you can see that the park didn't go all the way out. This line is roughly what the park is now, that was all sea marsh before. So this, the, the border of the uh, you know, the shoreline has moved. And if you were to have a class project to take maps like this and chart the, 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 the uh, shoreline, you would see that it's continually moving out and out. We're losing the marshes, or we lost the marshes, and, uh, and we're getting dry land. Now, the most recent of those is where Ikea is. Everybody know where Ikea is? Yeah. Okay. In the 1950s, that was all, or, or the 1940s, that was all swamp. That was all salt marsh. And all of that land was brought in, soil was brought in to build the highway on and to allow those buildings to be built. So that that's probably the biggest single piece of change, but the harbor, was probably almost twice as wide as, okay, so this, okay, here's the harbor now, here's 95, Ikea is right here. The harbor used to go all like that and probably over on this side too. A lot more was water, but it was all shallow water, which is why Long Wharf is there. Long Wharf was built very early in, um, I think around 1700. It was built so that they could get out to where the ships could actually dock, because the ships couldn't come in to those areas that were semi-marshy. So they built a, a, a pier that was the better part of a mile long.
1: Celia Lewis has been an avid bird watcher for over 20 years. She will talk to us about the birds of Sleeping Giant State Park.
3: I got into studying birds because I've always liked the outdoors and Really, I would have studied anything outdoors when I was younger. But I found that I liked to be up early when the birds are very active. And um, I started wanting to learn their songs. And uh, sleeping giant is especially good for the woodland species. You would find that sleeping giant Some of the most remarkable and pretty that I like are the rose-breasted grosbeak and scarlet tanager, Um, the Baltimore or northern oriole you would find around there, and they're very colorful and beautiful. You might have some nesting, uh, nesting warblers, possibly, Hooded, warbler, some others that are very, very beautiful, and probably some nice hawks and owls you could find in Sleeping Giant as well. I think one of my favorite sightings there
2: was a,
3: a barred owl, and it's unusual to see owls since they hunt mainly. In heard it first, it made, makes an incredible call, and it's quite a large owl, big round face, so that was a pretty special. Bird songs are mostly s- sung to keep in touch with their own kind, um, and songs serve lots of different functions. Sometimes it's to let others know where they are, um, sometimes it's to kind of tell where the territory is, but sometimes it's to, um, for a flocks of birds, like chickadees, they they like to move around together so they're in constant contact with each other when they're calling and singing. The nice thing about birds, once you start watching them, is that they open your mind to a much wider world. and. Once you start watching them, usually you start watching much, many other things going on out in the woods or the fields. And their songs are beautiful, so I hope that you all do keep watching birds and learn more about
1: them. We collected data about the plants and animals that live here. Yellow flag iris. This beautiful plant was originally from Europe. It was carried off and brought to America. Clover. These pretty pink flowers also taste delicious. Just pull off one of the pink parts of the flower, bite it, and it tastes like honey. Crown veg. This plant is native to Europe. It helps to put nitrogen in the soil. This is good for other plants because nitrogen is a fertilizer.
0: The plant and roots are thick, so it also helps with erosion. Milkweed. Milkweed leaks white sap that makes it look like it's leaking milk. If you find milkweed, you'll probably find monarch butterflies. The butterflies need milkweed to survive. Baby monarch caterpillars eat leaves that have toxins. This doesn't hurt the caterpillar, but makes the monarch poisonous to predators. The
1: seeds have soft fluff on them that helps them travel on the wind like a parachute. Native Americans used the fluff to insulate their moccasins. Early pioneers used the plant as a cure for warts. The military used the fluff in World War II life jackets. It marks ozone pollution level because the leaves get brown spots when the ozone is high.
0: Willow. The pussy willow has soft green leaves. These are great plants to stop erosion. They usually drink up lots of water, If planted, all 50 kinds of this plant will stretch their roots to the water. In the spring, the female and male plants have a small yellow flower. The male flower is more showy than the females. Water penny beetle is a sign of good water quality. It looks like a miniature horseshoe crab from the bottom.
1: Mattis flies build their houses from river bottom materials. Some species use their legs to grab food that the river current brings by their houses. Some species build a net to catch the food that floats by and gets stuck in the net. Amazingly, even in captivity
0: our Caddisfly was busy building his house. Pushy Gild Stonefly. The life cycle of a stonefly is three stages. First the egg, then the larval, and then the adult. The adults only live three to four weeks. The larval stage takes two to three years. They are pollution sensitive, so they are found in good water quality. This video shows the stonefly's gills moving.
1: Mayflies are a vital link in the food web of the Mill River. They are often used for monitoring water quality because their presence and diversity of species are valuable indicators of good water quality. Adult mayflies live for only one or two nights. They mate in swarms and deposit their eggs in the water. The hellgrammite is the only bug in the river you have to watch out for. Although it is usually shy and rolls in a ball when picked up, it does have big pinchers. You will only find hellgrammites in the best
3: of water quality. Eels migrate up river in the spring. Um, let me think about this. They they hatch out in the Sargasso Sea and the young swim from the Sargasso Sea all the way up the coast and then up the rivers. Though so it's really only the females that go far up into fresh water and they live up there for maybe 10 years, the females do, before they come back out as an adult and swim all the way back to the Sargasso Sea. And the males live um, usually in the estuaries for years and years until they become adults and they also go back to the Sargasso where they'll spawn and die. And then the young will travel. So they are a fascinating species.